Oscar Poker. First of all, good morning, and good this morning. is um, um, uh, a Monday morning uh, unusual uh, uh, Oscar poker time for us, but we decided that we would do two things. We're going to assess you and I alone, uh, without Phil's input this time, the uh, uh, weekends, or rather, more particularly yesterday's uh, critic uh, group awards uh, decisions, and then we're going to do a little riff on uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which we're officially allowed to uh, review as of tomorrow, so you were going to wait, and we were going to put this up sometime at the end of the, end of the evening. So it'll, we're not going to be breaking any embargo. To before we do that, Jeff, yeah. I wanted to say I forgot. I just I just looked at my calendar today, and I realized something yeah. that I hadn't been paying attention to, which is today, yeah. believe it or not, is the deadline for the SAG Award nominations, and the Golden Globe nomination ballots are in tomorrow too. And so I'm writing up a piece on my site right now about the performances that I think shouldn't be forgotten. And usually I, I'm more attuned to the deadlines, but I, I totally spaced it. With these movies that are, have been under embargo, nobody can write about them. Especially Dragon Tattoo is the one that really needs it. But <clears throat> they've done everything they could to put it out of the awards race. Everything. So it seems to me that they just don't want it to be an awards movie. Maybe that's what Fincher didn't want. I don't know. But... He doesn't want to go through, number one, anything like what he went through with um, Social, Social Network. Network. Yeah. He, I guess he felt that was, uh, uh, well, I, it's, it's not easy for anybody because of all the uh, demands upon you. But I suppose he felt particularly crestfallen that uh, after being uh, toasted by virtually everybody coast to coast, uh, the, the King's speech just ran in and took it away. And that was probably very, uh, you know, he doesn't want to repeat that type of experience. Secondly, uh, it isn't really... Uh, one of those films that is a, you know, critics film that, um, uh, you know, that you have to have a, or, or it helps to have a cultivated sensibility. Either you get it or you don't. Either you understand and you're, are lifted and touched by the uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Salander character and her story in this film, which I think it's pretty easy to do. And it's not necessarily, a, you know, what you would call a critics film. Besides, it's, let's face it, it's that just... That doesn't matter, though. I, I, you know, it frustrates me because that's, this is why I like to write about stuff. This is what I've been doing for 13 years. You know, it, it, to me, it doesn't matter that they say Rise of the Planet of the Apes isn't an Oscar movie or that The Departed wasn't an Oscar movie. You know, it doesn't matter to me that they say a movie that only made $12 million can't win Best Picture or a movie that's 3D can't win Best Picture. I mean... I don't like those stupid rules, and I never go by them. To me, it's a good movie or it's not. You know, it's a remake from a Hong Kong movie, and 
It's not Martin Scorsese's best. It's not better than Raging Bull. It was a good fucking movie. Mm. You know, and Dragon Tattoo is a good fucking movie. <laughs> so it's, it's really frustrating to yeah. me that I'm not able to really unleash that. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there in case you wanted to instead devote the podcast to talking about performances. <laughs> I don't know if you want to or not. I'm just saying today's the day. That's it. There's no other day. It's going to be the SAG Awards, which are pretty much mostly, give or take one or two. Yeah. Your Oscar nominations for acting. Yeah. You know? So, I don't well, know. Well, let's, uh, let's review uh, uh, that if you want. That's fine. Um, but let's just, I, we can't, I can't go on for like an hour here because I got to go. I know, the, I know, I know. Okay. All right. So, should we just stick to what we had planned and forget about that? No, well, it's fine. All right. I'll just, you know, the, the actor contenders, uh, in other words, we're going to have SAG nominations and who, who else? I'm sorry. What is it going to be? The Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Okay. And they're all coming out today? The deadline for SAG is today. The deadline for Golden Globes is tomorrow for voting for nominations. Deadline. That, so we're not going to, in other words, hear about them for a couple of days, right? Or whatever. Yeah, right? midweek is when they're announced. But today's the day that they close their balloting, which means any kind of Oscar talk about any performances has to have already occurred, basically. You want to be part of a conversation in people's heads prior to that uh, deadline. Is that what you're saying? That's the idea. The people that are going to be nominated are the ones that are we all know about. There's not going to be any uh, wacko surprise uh, 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 names or, or notions. Well, uh, the are, only thing – go ahead. I was going to say there are fringe dwellers. There are people that you'd like to see nominated that might not be. There are choices to, to be made between yeah. this person and that person. But, you know, I say let's just skip it. Let's just do <laughs> – all Fuck right. it. You know, I'll write about them on my side and you can write about them on your side if you feel like it. I will certainly. I mean, but it just seems to me, why not respond to them? And the only thing that is a uh, uncertainty, I would I would love to see some uh, some SAG uh, appreciation for Patton Oswalt's uh, uh, supporting actor performance in A Young Adult. Uh, he got one uh, award from, was it? No, he was a runner-up somewhere. With one of the uh, groups, possibly with the L.A., possibly with, I forget who, but I remember distinctly reading that he was a runner-up for supporting actor with one of the groups yesterday. Mm -hmm. You don't remember that? Okay. I you do, don't think but that I good. don't know. I mean, the critics groups, what, they're like 12 people that vote, you know, and they got yeah. a runner-up, which means he got, what, like five votes, four votes. Yeah. I mean, okay. You know. So, yeah, Patton Oswalt, Shirley's Theron, Young Adult is a movie that, I mean, if the public is... That should be interesting as far as actress, best actress, is how much, how long, and how strong is the notion out there? Because really, there is no genuine uh, passion for Glenn Close's Albert Knob. None. I mean, it's just like she's there. We all know why she's there. And this is her year to be nominated, to be tributed. It's, it's fine. Nobody disagrees. But the performance itself, no passion whatsoever we all know that yeah you know, it's true it's true well, um huh it's only because people don't like her enough her character there's not a lot of uh, many ways to um feel close to or empathize with a character who is that uh zipped up and compressed and fearful of being honest with society or herself right. who she is what she is you know and it's hard that. to do it now, I, I can imagine, I can f envision seeing her on stage and giving this kind of performance in which she uh, conveys very, very little. 
but uh, here's the other thing, though. I gotta have to have to say this. She conveys very little, but there is stuff going on underneath her, and you can and you can sense it and feel it. But you can feel it as acutely, if not more acutely, with Rooney Mara in uh, *Girl in the Dragon Tattoo*, and she is not exactly conveying a, uh, a wide range of, of emotions in this film. But you can read so much in her in her in her eyes. It's uh, and her. Uh, her brusque, kind of gothy manner. You can still read a lot of stuff. There's an art to it. I don't know what the art is, but I know that there's a... Uh, it's really significant when you can feel and sense currents in people when they're not going uh, to, to great extent to conventionally convey them. It's right. really interesting when that happens. Well, and I don't think that there's a lot of going on in, in Glenn Close's um, character, Albert Nobbs, in that film. I, I think that it's there, and I respect the restraint that she gives to it, but I don't feel it that acutely. And I'm wondering how long this is going to go on. Well, they have, the way the SAG voters work is they have a nominating committee. They have such a huge membership, that they, that they, yeah. and their nominations were so embarrassing because yeah. of that huge membership that they decided to make it more like a, a, a reasonable size, a yeah. couple, couple thousand voters, yeah. I think it is, something like that who do the nominating and they get all the screeners and stuff. And so it's the publicist's job to make sure those people far flung though they are in other countries and other States, see uh-huh. all the movies, right. only the ones in LA and New York are going to go to the Q and A's, you know, which are so important. Uh, it's just, right. it, it came up so fast and so many of the movies are late entries and so many of them are embargoed and, you know, I mean, not so many, but it feels like enough that it's going to, um, I mean, even Warhorse hasn't opened, so it's 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 just a very bizarre time yeah. to be. Uh, but 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 my case for Glenn Close is just that she doesn't give you anything really, but it is still an admirable performance. It's still a really skilled, well researched, um, gut wrenching performance. It really is. It's not likable. That's the only problem with it. When you're watching it, you don't like her. You don't want to spend a whole movie with her. You don't care what happens to her. <laughs> All those things. I don't think she counted on that being part of it when she when she created this character. Well, there's the, what are the values in her character? Honestly, her character is not about love. Her character is about a rather uh, straight-laced and, and, and uh, kind of anti-romantic, uh, anti-erotic notion of what friendship and partnerships and couplings are all about. And her character believes earnestly, uh, you know, sincerely, that uh, if you're going to uh, partner with someone in life, it's about a good business, which, of course, life is like that. It's about having good, steady income and about, uh, you know, being good partners in that sense to kind of uh, keep out the, the, the snows and the wind and the rain and the turbulence of life and to and to have a good, uh, uh, you know, regard for each other. You know, there's not a lot of... of um, of ethereal emotionality in her view of human relationships. Mm-mm. No, and, and in fact, she it's almost like she did too good a job because she really did logically think out what a character would have to have done to pass as a man back then. Mm-hmm. And she's right. You would have to cut yourself off totally like that. But unfortunately, that doesn't work as a character in a film because you can't cut yourself off from the audience. You can't. You have to let them in. Even if it's a tricky thing to play, Gary Oldman does it really well in Tinker Taylor, but you have to be able to let the audience in, but show that you're, you're, you're cutting off everybody else in the film, you know, in the film, the characters in the film. And that's tricky 
And I don't think she quite pulled that off because she doesn't ever let us in. We are left wondering why she did turn into a man. You know, what was the reason? What was the motivation? Why? There was no really good reason why. She wasn't a lesbian, I yeah. don't think. I mean, maybe she well, was. Well, she was kind of, um, I think, you know, gay, you know, a little bit. I think that certainly she did relate to Janet McTeer's character, who was uh, a, an open, a fairly open uh, woman as far as her sexuality is concerned i mean but never really uh, never really overt like they never make out or you know i'm not saying but, they have but to Janet McTeer has a woman she's living with but right? they it's not it's never de- defined as sexual it could just be friendship okay I, and even when i talked to glenn close about it they weren't definitive about it being a lesbian right. type of situation where they had to hide their sex it was more like they were put into this position because they couldn't find employment yeah because women were allowed to work you either marry or you you know that you're not allowed to work you're not allowed to have babies out of wedlock you're trapped as a woman and all that's very interesting it's just does it play well i don't know i mean did it play i don't know i was i was admiring of her performance i was in awe of it you know i think she's a brilliant actress you know but i i do get that it was it was tough it was tough to watch her it was hard to to care about her mm-hmm. you know you so, just you want so to tell me how this is how this um so the 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 code as we have been saying all along is that it's not so much about her performance which you can certainly respect it's really about that the glenn close's time to to um, take bows in the spotlight and to and to uh you know accept awards and whatever for her uh, span of her career is it is it's time for that to happen everybody has acknowledged that I just wonder how long that's going to keep going. I don't think it is going to keep going. It's not really going. Going. I mean, she's not winning anything that she yeah. should be. And uh, I mean, I, I think I still think there's enough respect for her in the industry that she could get a, a SAG nomination. You know, she's revered as one of the greatest actresses ever. So, so you're saying that this thing is going to keep going at least as far as the SAG. Community. I gotta say, in all honesty, I didn't feel all that great about Meryl Streep and Iron Lady either. You know, I felt as cold and, and cut off from her as I did Glenn Close. And I wouldn't, I mean, I, I can acknowledge both of them as being absolutely brilliant portrayals. You know, absolutely stunningly rendered. And and these are some really smart, really skilled actresses. But both of them left um, me cold. And both of them were lacking i thought in in really good concrete motivation um as to their who their characters were i mean i i I think rooney mara is one of the best female performances of the year uh you know and i i'm really still a viola davis fan from what she did in the help and her character i I don't know i mean it's it's but I, i think that glenn close should at least be nominated for what she did i think that's a difficult thing to pull off and some and a courageous thing she co-wrote the screenplay and one of the songs in the film she you know she's a she's trying to do something different she's not doing your usual hot young thing you know stripping down and you know it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's just becoming so old hat nowadays yeah. right? where yeah. older actresses just don't get a break and yeah. she's trying to do something different and i tell you if it was robert de niro or al pacino or any of these other guys doing something like that it would get a lot more attention because people don't need the guys to be warm fuzzies they don't need to be able to relate to the guys <laughs> it's fine if they're cold bastards nobody cares you know it's just wow I, th- I, w- I want to feel what the what the character is suffering through um, um i bring this up all the time but michael carleone and the second godfather film is a cold f- bastard mm. but he feels 
as he confesses to his mother that he is losing his family. They are slipping away. He can't, he doesn't have the, the respect and the regard and the command that his father had. Mm -hmm. uh, He senses the sands shifting under his feet and he can't really do anything about it. Now I can relate to that, you know, for no matter if you're a cold bastard or not, I can relate to that situation. And that was so. That, there you go. See, that's that's a, uh, a, a not likable person, but you can at least relate to the uh, situation and the aesthetic that he she is facing. Well, so. that's one of the all-time greatest performances ever. I don't know if it's fair to compare <laughs> Glenn Close and Albert Knobs to Al Pacino in The Godfather. I mean, you're talking about one of the best ever performances. Well, you know, I'm just trying to say that there is a way in which a person can be dislikable. A guy, in particular. Uh, as, lo- as long as you can understand and, and relate to the the, the the very difficult, you know, situation that. Well, he- no, it's it's but it's true. Guys can play unlikable people, and we, we deal with it just fine. Yeah, it's it's not even so much the unlikable because uh, uh, we like Glenn Close as an unlikable. She got nominated for her work in uh, Fatal Attraction and in Dangerous Liaisons. In both in both cases, she played unlikable. Yeah. What they don't like in Albert Knobs is she's trying to make us like her and be sympathetic towards her, but she's not giving us anything that's the problem it's not that she's unlikable she's she is likable she's sympathetic she's sad she's pathetic right but there's something she's hold she's holding back too much because that's what it would require to be a man during that time but yet it still didn't read to it doesn't read so you can't reach in and feel anything for her so all you're left with is admiring her skill as a performer yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think given what, what she's taking on and who she is, I think that's enough. I mm. really do. All right. I don't feel like I totally have to, to, to love the character right. to admire her acting in it. Mm-hmm. So. What's going to happen with Charlize Theron as far as Best Actress uh, uh, SAG nomination? you think that's going to happen? Or are people going to uh, perhaps more uh, timidly say, well, she's awfully unlikable, therefore, what do you think is going to go on um, with that? Well, see, there you go. There's a good example of an unlikable. I think that, that they have a lot of hurdles to jump over, but, but the one hurdle they don't have to worry about, I don't think, is Charlize. I think she's so likable. She's so beautiful. And we live in a culture that, that loves beauty. And her beauty will help her go a long way. And I think that uh, the, um, you just the, have to look at who she's going to replace. That's how you yeah. look at best actress. Who yeah. are the locks in the category? Well, there's Meryl Streep. There's Michelle Williams. Those are two locks that can't and break Viola out. Viola Davis, no? And Viola she's Davis, not- I think, although I won't be surprised if it turns out that people think her, her part is just too small and that she gets... Really? You think that there's some groundswell? Where did you get that idea? I feel like if she gets nominated, she wins. But I've always felt like that kind of weird feeling of are they not going to, is there going to be category confusion? Are they not going to know it's a lead? And is she going to get left off that I've always felt that, but I, and I've said it before. It's just, I think that if she's in, she's in and she goes all the way, but if she doesn't get in, obviously she can't win. But, um, so Meryl Streep, Michelle Williams, Viola Davis, let's say, hopefully she gets in. Um, and then we have two spots. So who are the other ones? I have to look at my website to see, cause my brain is fried. Let's see here. Yesterday was pretty harsh, dude. <laughs> that was a lot of hardcore back That was a lot of work, you know? <laughs> I know, it was. It was really intense. So let's, oh, okay, so there's Tilda Swinton. Uh, that's a tough call if she's going to get in for that. Um, there's Rooney Mara, Elizabeth Olsen, Olivia Coleman, Felicity Jones, Karen Knightley. None of those are going to happen. Um, I think Charlize has a really good shot, given what I see here. Yeah. So I think she's, you know, 
I think it's going to be between her and Tilda Swinton. I think it's going to be um, Tilda Swinton in a movie nobody really likes, probably, and didn't really get a chance to see anyway. Um, I, I hope that they have the good sense to nominate Rooney Mara, but without anybody talking about it, without no con- without any context, I don't know how they're going to ever do that. But um, no context being that there's not a lot of talk about that film and her performance yet. You're saying not a lot of talk. There's no talk. There's yeah. no talk thanks to the embargo. So yeah. without talk, you don't you can't build buzz. All you have is the performance to go. So you with. think that that Rooney Mara, who in, indisputably gives one of the more, most penetrating performances of the year, is going to be ignored by SAG because of the embargo? That's a I think there's a very story. good chance. Wow, isn't that something? And here's the other thing about it. Here's the other thing about it is that a lot of these nominating guys are in other states. So did they even get a chance to see the movie? Mm -hmm. There's a good chance they didn't because they're in another state. And they don't even have – I don't think they have Dragon Tattoo screeners, do they? No, not, I'm not aware of that at all. I'd be uh, uh, <clears throat> gobsmacked if I heard that they were out there already. That, yeah, that, so the chances of that happening are very, very slim because yeah. these nominating guys probably just haven't seen the movie. I'm, I'm guessing that Rudin and company doesn't care, that, that they don't want it to be an Oscar movie. Maybe they think that Extremely Loud is going to be their big Oscar play. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm guessing is that they think that's going to be the... Mm. The big play, and um, maybe they don't even. Maybe Fincher just is like, you know what? I didn't want to do the Oscar dance this year, and I, I certainly would not blame him after what yeah. happened last right. year. I would right. not at all. Yeah. But I think it's a good movie, and I think if it gets any award attention at all, it should be for her wonderful performance. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's a chance that she might get an Oscar nomination, just not a a SAG nomination. It's not the end of the world if they don't get a SAG. Sometimes there's one or two contenders that don't match over when they get into oscar but um but 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 it's a good it's a good starting point and i don't think the globes are going to go for dragon tattoo at all they might who knows um the thing about extremely loud is that it's got two studios doesn't it it's got it's got oh no it's warner brothers but it's also scott rudin so it's a pretty powerful little machine there yeah extremely loud so um now I feel like I'm zeroing out here, bottoming out. I don't know. I forgot where we were, what we were talking about. Well, let me just. Uh, um, <laughs> oh God. You know, eight thirty-two. I got to get going in about fifteen. So let's uh, let's just say we have talked about Glenn Close. We have talked about Rudy Mara possibly getting uh, uh, ignored by the um, uh, by the uh, SAG folks and possibly even Golden Globe folks uh, because of the uh, embargo. Uh-huh. And uh, that, but that will be lifted tonight, and we are going to put this thing up tonight. So, really, let's talk about the the, the movie itself b- b- okay. before it ends. And All you right. know, great. So, your, your, so your basic reaction. I'm, as I, we've had this discussion, but let's let's have it again. I've had uh, my basic feeling was that this is for me. It's too familiar uh, material, material, having uh, been having seen the original film and having. Um, uh, you know, read about it uh, uh, and and been aware, of course, of the immense popularity of the Elizabeth Salander character over the last uh, two three years, and I I didn't feel that I was seeing anything <clears throat> exceptional in terms of uh, something that was moving the bar forward. But it's a very very efficient and and quite uh, quite uh, you know non boring and and quite involving uh, uh, thriller. Um, 
but it's but it's basically just uh, what you'd have to call high end hack work is what I feel. Mm. It's not David Fincher doing something in the momentous way of of, this, of the social network or the or, or Zodiac, which is one of my personal favorite, or Fight Club, or Seven. It, it's not on that level. It's just it's like a very oh, it's high absolutely end. Absolutely on that level. I'm sorry, but it is. It's, it's, it's nothing's going to ever be on the social network's level, in my opinion. That was a perfect film. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to be – coming down off the social network is going to be a tough thing for David Fincher. Everybody's going to want to compare right. this movie to that movie. And he went – I think he went genre-y to kind of clean the palette a little bit to say, huh. okay, I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. I'm the – That's fine. I, I'm not putting – again, I'm not saying that, that killing a palette-cleaning thriller is uh, in any way unwelcome or unenjoyable. Yeah, but to, to say that Seven is, is on, on some other level and, you know, I mean, come on. That's Seven – Dragon Tattoo is way better than Seven. I mean, it's not on the level of Social Network. Fine. No, okay. I would say that honestly, Seven advanced the uh, the, the genre, in, in it, it made that kind of uh, gritty, grungy, grimy, rain-soaked uh, atmosphere into a into a much more vivid thing. I, I remember that film now. Back thinking back to the nineties, it's one of the most vivid films in an atmospheric, mm-hmm. uh, unwashed, gritty sense. And and it was uh, it was about uh, futility and the sense of that we're never really in control yeah. and it had one of the, one of the most uh, brilliant endings uh, and really game changing endings for for a catch a catch a killer movie ever, which is that the killer is uh, sort of wins the game. The killer mm-hmm. is victorious, and the pursuers, the, the ostensible forces of right, are they are in the right, but they have lost. And yeah, it's really wonderful. It's a great it's movie, but I, I don't. I just don't, I never. I never have been able to um, adopt to this idea that a great director's work is is absolutely in his past. I think that that Fincher uh, did something new with Social Network, and I think he's doing something new with um, Dragon Tattoo. I think he's reached a level in his career where he feels confident enough that he can make a movie like that without it having to be um, showy. Like really, really, really showy. He's becoming yeah, no no argument with what Glow Dragon Tattoo is. It's just let's just not let's not get too excited about it because it is uh, a genre film that is done very well and it's a familiar well, I, piece. Know, honestly, can't, you can't get excited about something. That's I been, can. Been, I can get excited about it. There's the genre movies are the ones that have been gotten me excited this year. I mean, the art house movies have failed me. I feel like. Uh, uh, Rise yeah. of the Planet of the Apes, Hugo, and um, Dragon Tattoo are like my three favorite movies of the year, and that's because they're 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 entertaining genre films. They deliver. The, I, uh, I, and, I don't feel the same way about Hugo as you do, but I certainly felt that that, um, uh, that Rise of the Planet of the Apes was but was one of the one of the more jolting and completely satisfying uh, genre films, uh, and and just films in general. Yeah, and, and, uh, and so there's no issues with with a, but it's just you can't. Ignore or wash away or erase away the fact that the Dragon Tattoo has been completely saturated before this film came out. They knew it. Fincher knew it. The Rudin knew it. So there's no way to make this feel that fresh. It's just like, okay, here we go again. We're doing it in a Fincher way rather than a, a Swedish Danish way. Oh That's God, not, I felt know. it was fresh. I mean, I have to 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 to, to give the two yeah. caveats, and one is everybody knows I'm a Fincher fanatic. And yep. the other, and they, they're expecting me to rave about the movie, and, and I'm going to. But um, the other is that, 
I love thrillers. They're my, it's my favorite genre. I will watch any thriller, no matter how bad it is. It's my favorite yeah. thing. Silence of the Lambs is one of my all-time favorite films. Mm-hmm. I love The Departed. I mean, these I'm talking about, like high, as you call, high-end thrillers. Yeah. But I'll even watch the bad 80s ones, like, like uh, Pacific Heights. And <laughs> I love <laughs> the thriller genre. So for me, it was like my birthday, watching Dragon mm-hmm. Tattoo. It was everything I could ever want in a movie. It was a kick-ass female heroine, the kind I've never seen put to scream. I watched the original Dragon Tattoo, and it's good. It's really good. It's a very solid you know, yeah. thriller. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of things better than Fincher does in terms of just telling a story that you don't need to know about the book. But what Fincher did was he, he, he did like a weird kind of redux of Elizabeth Salander and made her so much more than the one in the, in the Swedish film. Who You know, she's fine. She plays the girl yeah. the way she's written in the book. Right. But the Rooney Mara character is a female icon for all time, in my opinion. She's like, she's uh, the smartest girl in the room. She's the crime solver. She's the ass kicker. She, she's sexual. She takes what she wants sexually, and she uh, avenges herself when she's victimized. You don't mess with her. Tiny little thing that she is. And he, yeah. he paints her like she's a shapeshifter, like she's almost not even human. And you mm-hmm. see that in, in movies with men. And, and when it's women, it's always Catwoman. You know, oh, I'm in a leather, a leather <laughs> teddy. Here I am smacking my whip. Get down on your knees, boy. You know, it's like, okay, fine. But this character, Elizabeth Salander, is not that. She's not sexual on male terms. She's sexual on female terms. And right. that dazzled me. And that is why it's one of the best films of the year. It's not even so much all the other stuff. You can't get around like like a person we both know was complaining about the uh, anal rape scene. And I was like, he's like, oh, why'd you have to have that in there? And I was like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Take it out? You're telling a story that everybody knows. It's yeah. everybody knows. It's like taking Harry Potter out of Harry Potter. You can't do yeah. that. You can't mess with something people know that well. You have to, You have to do the whole, you know, family on the island. You have to do the sister. You have to do all that stuff. You can't avoid it if you're making this kind of movie. But what he does within the confines of that reminded me of Hitchcock. Yeah. It's like to me, it's on that level. North mm-hmm. by Northwest. <laughs> um, you know, it's not. It's not Hitchcock. It's all right. You want to get that? No, it's okay. Let me just turn it on, turn it off. It's not Hitchcock Rear Window or Psycho, but it's Hitchcock North by Northwest, The Birds. You know, it's it's those kind of movies. And I t- and you know, Vertigo is sort of in a class by itself. But I don't see this as being a weak Fincher film at all. I mean, I, I admit it's not the Social Network, and it's not you know Zodiac's not my favorite Fincher either. I know it's yours, but to me, it got too talky, talky, talky in the middle. So anyway, I, um, you know, I was watching it and I was like, you know, I'm not really following this story, but it didn't matter because as soon as Rooney Mara came on, that's when I started yeah. following it. That's when I started paying attention to it. I cared about her. I right. love the, the way that she falls in love with him. I love um, how she, I mean, we talked about the ending, but we probably shouldn't talk about it because it'll just spoil it for people. But whatever, if people don't get anything from it, then, you know, what am I going to do? I'm not saying, let me just make sure that you, you use the word weak. I didn't say weak, Fincher. I said it was more uh, of an exercise. It was just something he did. It was a job. He did a very good job at it, but I didn't feel that he was doing something exceptional or, uh, you know, head-turning as much as satisfying and efficient and, you know, no issues, no problems with it. It's just that it's 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 uh, it's oh, sec- see, I, I call sec- second tier Fincher. You know. Okay, well, fine if you want to call it that. But there's some fucking great scenes in this movie. 
There are some insane scenes. My favorite scene, believe it or not, isn't even with Li- Elizabeth Salander, although I love that too, but um, yeah. is yeah. the torture scene in the basement with Creepy, <laughs> his name, and he ties up uh, Daniel Craig, yeah. and he's got the mask on. I mean, to me, it was like something we this archetypical story that we knew and he flipped it and he twisted it and he made it this weird suffocating kind of um paranoid you know weird you know thriller with characters you can't really trust and you don't believe what they're saying and you don't know who's who and you know i loved what he did this is a movie i'm going to end up watching like many times over I know because it's so it's one of those like I love the atmosphere, I love the yeah. characters, I love right. the fucking soundtrack. Can we talk about uh Trent Reznor's soundtrack is like yeah. one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard. It's very disturbing and strange. It's not an easy sit. I mean, half the time you're going to want to skip over some of the tracks cuz it's too irritating, but there's right. something about it that is just yeah. totally outside the box, you know. Mhm. Mhm. Really, really good. I'm sorry to just be speaking in cliches, but both of us are just so brain fried right now. <laughs> <laughs> From yeah. yesterday. So, are you going to see Dragon Tattoo again? Oh, without without uh, without a doubt, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. anytime I can uh, when I'm in New York. I don't. It's funny. I'm looking at all the screenings that are happening. From twelve fifteen, which is when I arrive in New York, until um, uh, Christmas, everything pretty much stops on the twenty second, and I don't see a single dragon tattoo screening. Uh, you know, nothing, and I'm kind of surprised because I'm very much interested in, uh, in in savoring, as I always have with Fincher. I'll, 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 it's uh, even if you're not, uh, uh, you know, all the way on on the film itself. He's such a good filmmaker that it's more than worth uh, uh, the, your time to see it. Oh, see it a second time, you know. Absolutely, I think you'll appreciate it more the second time. I'm just wondering why so much secrecy around it. You know, is that that's a strategy to build anticipation and excitement? Do you think, or as as Fincher articulated in that uh, interview, I think it was in the New York Times that he, the magazine, he or something, he said that he just wants it to be seen the day before and people go or the night. He feels that it's pre-sold anyway. And if this is just something that people are going to like or they're not going to like, but you don't, let's just get out of the whole, you know, critics awards and, 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 you know, got great reviews. It, it is what it is. Everybody knows that it's going to be pretty good because he doesn't make mediocre films. So, you know, that, that's what's going on. They just don't, uh, they figure whatever we're doing, we're not going to do the usual uh, you know, uh, elite critics, and then the awards, and then the nomination, right. and the coexist. So, you know, so they're all. trying to just bring it to the people and, and have it be the people's movie and that sort of thing, kind of like what they're that, doing. Of course, that, that very phrase, "bring it to the people," sounds like horseshit to me. But that's that's what people say when they. <laughs> well, that's what they're doing with War Horse and uh, Extremely yeah. Loud, and um, yeah. you know, they're just saying we don't like having the chatter out of our control. We right. need it to be under our control. We want people to see the movie before they have to hear the bad buzz about it. Right. Right. Oh, by the way, Chris Tapley's uh, top ten just was uh, just came into the mailbox. Uh, his tenth number ten film for 2011 is Rango. Uh, I would put other films in there before, I, but I put that. Take Shelter, which I respect a lot, and uh, excellent Michael Shannon performance is number nine. Uh, here we go. Ready for this? The Adventures of Tintin is number oh, eight. For God's sake, <laughs> a God. separation is number six, which is a, a uh, you know very very well deserved. Uh, yeah, Mar- I wanna, Mar- huh? I just wanted to quickly ask you about a separation, which I still haven't seen. Is it good enough? Do you think to get a Best Picture nomination? 
in such a weak year as this, I'm wondering if people are just going to go, you know, I really love that movie, so I'm going to vote for it for Best Picture. Well, um, it's it's easily good enough. And if you want to just say, uh, because it's not, uh, uh, you know, American-made, therefore let's uh, – what's the rule? I mean, you, No, you can, that happens. It happened a lot in the 70s, of course, with fine. Bergman and Fellini. Well, then, yeah, it absolutely should be in there. It's not without question one of the one of the great films of the year, and it really should be in any person's top ten list. It, it, well, it certainly wasn't mine. And, uh, yeah, it should be. But I'll tell you, there's, a, there's some schmoes out there, from what I've been hearing, people going, mm, yeah, it's pretty good, but, you know, I'm not going to jump up oh, and down. You know, okay. so, so there's probably, the, you know, they're just going to say it's just too, it, does, it doesn't do anything special. And you, you can't talk to people like that. You can, you, you can, you know, nod and say, okay, that's one view. But you can't respect people that don't recognize something as strong as this and, and, and really, you know, moving and and great performances and the whole thing so mm-hmm. yeah anyway uh after that uh comes martha marcy may marlene that's her uh six uh his number five is shame steve mcqueen yay that's a good respectful one. film his number four which has been getting no attention yesterday in the awards is rampart i thought that woody yeah. harrelson might pop through here and there but it's all been michael fassbender or brad pitt uh, you know, and then comes Drive at number uh, three, and then number two is Tree of Life, and then his number Margaret. one film of the year, Margaret. Chris Tapley's Margaret, correct? Yeah, yeah. I already knew that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good list. It's an internet list. It's the yeah. list that the internet would love because right. the internet they all have groupthink, and in an yeah. internet world, Martha Marcy is number one, and Tree of Life is number one, yeah. and, <laughs> you know, Margaret is number one, and. Drive is number one, and this is all the whole internet thing. <laughs> it's, it's not really, really critics, it's not really academy or industry, but it's internet. So. I, I know what I felt like when I was watching Tintin, I was, and I was like, you know, again, I had that. I didn't have the same feeling of of being intravenously poisoned as I did from the Sherlock Holmes films. But I said, this is really assaulting me. I'm feeling like I gotta get, get through this. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm here. It's it's on the screen. It's Steven Spielberg. It's the AFI. I'm gonna watch it and stay with it. And but boy, that is not a so top ten film. It's, it's one of the worst films of the year, without a question. The David Denby's review was right on the money with that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, so it's, I, it's, I a, it's a complete and total disappointment. Right. By Steven Spielberg, who is so much better than that. I just. Yeah. Well, there's an awful lot to talk about. We could go yeah, on and on. This could. is quite a uh, this is quite the time with with all kinds of topics. But we can't. I can't continue. No, you've got to do your thing. Okay, so we'll just hang uh, be disciplined enough to. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I have to. That's okay. So I'll probably see you tonight, um, unless it's just too dark and damp and cold, and we don't we don't end up wanting to go out to see that movie. But otherwise, I will see you tonight at the at the um, the. Uh, is it damp outside right now? Yeah, it's all rainy outside. Oh, I, I didn't. I knew. I heard noise. I wasn't sure. Okay. Well, uh, I I would really be um, um, uh, delighted if you can come and if you can bring that CD that you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. If I don't bring it, if I don't come, I'll, I'll get it to you. I promise. No, but I'm not going to be here for her much longer. Oh shoot. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then I'll do it. Don't worry. And if, and, and do you think, uh, by the way, that since uh, it's an IMAX thing and they've been talking about showing the. Uh, uh, the, the, the Dark Knight Rises um, prologue in IMAX, do you think they're going to show that? Or because it's strictly a uh, Mission Impossible screen that they're not going to show it? Well, I think it's Paramount has it. So, And that's Dark Knight's Warner Brothers, so I doubt yes, it. Yes, that's me. If it was but the same studio, be- maybe they would have. But 
But I understand it is going to be shown, whether they're two different studios, it is going to appear in certain IMAX uh, theaters across the country once Mission Impossible 4 Ghost Protocol opens. So. I know, and it would be really cool if they showed it. I just don't think they're going to. I would love that, because I didn't get to see it, of course. So Yeah. I doubt it, but we'll see. So that means i got to go pay to see it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Just to see the dark I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, you know, seeing the little bit of uh, Avatar wasn't that big of a deal. Seeing the little bit of Dragon Tattoo wasn't that big of a deal. I don't, I don't think it's, you know, I have to pay to see it. Just wait and see the movie, you know? Mm. Okay. Then again, you've got disposable income now, so why not? <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, have a good day and drive safely out there in the rain. Thank you, um, Sasha. And we'll, uh, I hope to see you tonight. Yeah, okay. All right. Have a good one. I'll see Thanks, you soon. Goodbye. Okay, bye. bye. You've been listening to episode 60 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And the bumper music was um, Immigrant Song, Trent Reznor and Karen O from the Dragon Tattoo soundtrack, and Tattooed Love Boys, Pretenders. Thanks for listening. So there's 20 doors around a hot sack and these love boys. I told my knees I'll get sent to you because I need it. I found out what the thing was for, I've been reading. A man time came to explore. But I didn't need it But you mess with a good stall You gotta pay Yeah A good time Was guaranteed for one and all The tattoos Target practice in the hall While waiting For their number to get called out I, 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 I Found out what the wait was about Show me what that holds
Stop sniffling You're gonna make some plastic surgeon a rich man 